0: The ego fundamentally is happy with being alive and mm-hmm. the situation that you're in if you're overweight and you're eating foods that are unideal for yourself but you're alive you've got no financial stress you know there's, mm-hmm. there's not too there's not anything threatening your existence and it's in the privileged western world that we have um it's pretty hard to convince yourself well why do i need to change i'm not really under threat of anything crazy and and the, the consequences of this behavior are so far in the future that you you kind of think oh. I'm pretty disconnected from that negative outcome, although it obviously starts to creep in, but it mm-hmm. creeps in so slowly that you adapt to it and it just becomes your new normal.
1: It's finally here. Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mengena. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am here with a pretty cool cat who I had the honour of being a guest of some time ago but we're going to pop a link to that in the show notes because it was bloody good of course it was because it was us as you will see soon when you've heard us (laughs) hanging out Matty Lazar hails from Australia Um, he's doing some really cool stuff supporting women stepping into the fullness of who they are breaking the relationship to emotional eating claiming back their power and stepping into a healthy relationship with their body we're going to talk about that and how it feeds into other things before i run out of breath which i've kind of done already mate let them know who you are and what you do bro
0: Thanks, man. It's so good to be hanging out with you here. I appreciate the invite. <laughs> Thank you. No, 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 no. Honestly, we had such a cool time
1: on the podcast. And again, guys, make sure you go and check out that episode and subscribe to Matty's podcast. I was like, oh, we got we got to pick this up again. We've got to pick this up For again.
0: sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so a little bit about me. Um, so I grew up in country Australia, as you can probably tell from my accent. Um, and I grew up with a Mum is a nurse and sort of grew up with this interest in medicine and healthcare and stuff like that, and then moved to the city to study uh, and then spent a fair bit of time in my career after studying in hospitals, only to discover uh, after working for many years in a cancer hospital that the World Health Organization website, which, you know, questionable organization, maybe, maybe not, um, but... On their cancer page, they say in the first sentence uh, 90 to 95% of cancer is diet and lifestyle. And I naively, in my early 20s, simply asked my professor why doesn't anybody here deal with diet and lifestyle? Um, and, and I was just laughed at basically. And so I went down the rabbit hole of the unfortunate truth of capitalism and the pharmaceutical companies and, you know, the stuff that we've been privy to in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. in a very different way. Um, and that led me to just getting really worked up and angry and, and, uh, about the fact that I felt people were being not necessarily misled because I've never met a bad doctor. I've never Mm -hmm. worked with a bad doctor, but just, um, blindsided basically. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, you know, realized with traditional Chinese medicine, as I went down this rabbit hole and Ayurvedic me- medicine in India, mm-hmm. that there was thousands and thousands of years worth of history and practice, um, and really complex, uh, medical modalities out there. And so I sort of tried in the beginning, it was difficult to sort of open that thinking of, you know, typical Western medical scientist, mm-hmm. um, thinking. And yeah, I just opened myself up and, um, and basically learned all about natural healing food as medicine, got a couple of certifications, went and got a nutrition, clinical nutrition degree, which mm-hmm. although they push the food pyramid, you know, it's sort of, you got you yeah. got to do what you can with it, what you yeah. can. Um, so <laughs> it's all course. Westernized, right? For yeah, capitalist yeah, yeah. incentive. And capitalist incentive is not a bad thing. I just don't think um, there has been, a new model hasn't been introduced that's actually in favor of human health. And so, mm. um, so that led me down the path to where I am today, which is basically helping people lose weight because the one thing I learned being in the hospital and walking through clinic every single day was that, without doubt, the vast majority of people in a hospital or in a, specifically a cancer hospital are blatantly overweight. Like it's very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, okay, so I need to help people with their weight. And you know and I went I, I, one day I took two hours out of my schedule. I'd read the data about weight loss leading to cancer and diabetes, and I was like, i'm in I'm in three hospitals every single day. And so it took me two hours and I went into every single ward and I counted the numbers on my phone. And it was like, you know, 86% of people, and obviously it's not a clinical trial, but 86% of the people that I saw in beds, in wards, whether it be the psych wards, whether it be the cancer ward, whether it be diabetes, Alzheimer's, you know, all that kind of stuff, ICU were overweight and so I thought hmm. okay I need to help people with weight because then they won't even have to walk in here mm-hmm. um, and and so I started down that path helping people lose weight and then I realized after talking at seminars and events and and being fortunate enough to be speaking at retreats all over the world I never actually met anybody that didn't know meat and veggies were a good idea. So I was like, if everybody knows what to eat, like, why aren't they doing it? And that's mm-hmm. where I arrived at what I do now, which is the emotional eating relationships with food and behavior change psychology element of our inter- the way we interact with food and health. And, and that mm-hmm. comes down to a lot of potentially similar stuff that you work with about belief systems and, mm-hmm. um, you know, stepping into who you could possibly be and letting go of old stories about mm-hmm. what is or is not true. So So yeah, now I help people with emotional eating and and in that naturally weight loss kind of happens. There's a nutritional component to that journey, um, but the belief stuff, the psychology is the most important because it informs the behavior change. Hmm. So, we're going
1: to loop into that because this is actually the topic of my TED Talk, which, although it was recorded back in November, still isn't up yet. At the point <laughs> of recording on the 24th of February, apparently they are backed up and they're meeting this weekend. So maybe my TED Talk will be out by the time that this talk comes up. <sighs> Who knows?
0: Fingers I crossed. Know. <laughs> I just kind of like,
1: I did this whole
0: like, oh yeah, I just recorded my TED Talk. He's ready for it. Yeah! Crickets. <laughs> really. and now it'll come out and you'll be like oh yeah i did that yeah, thing d- d- d-
1: <laughs> and because because of the rules like i can't even like share any pictures or clips of it or anything right until it's yep. anyway point being the whole thing about that relationship between environment to emotions to mindset and beliefs to unconscious habits and behaviors which runs so much of our lives is a big part and identity sort of wraps this whole thing up right because mm-hmm. i mean i've had this myself when i was looking to get back in shape i kept getting stuck and kept stopping doing the exercising kept finding myself going to the donut shop i was like i don't even want to do this like i want to be and it's like no you don't because if you wanted you'd be doing it <gasps> oh what's going on the identity i had the identity of a little fatty um mm-hmm. spend some time working on that boom 25 pounds later or whatever it is like gone and i don't have those cravings anymore because they're no longer part of my identity so yeah. I, I get you completely on that and we're going to dive into that a little bit because i'd love for you to share some of your expertise with the listeners so that they can dive in but there's something that i want to touch on with what mm-hmm. you said meat and veggies now the reason why i had 25 pounds to lose is because somebody tried to tell me what i should be eating and they, they didn't tell me to go and eat junk food they said you should be eating x y and z and i didn't feel good eating it was but i still ate it again it was healthy food but not really for my body Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts as a competent health professional on people pushing diets as a cookie cutter thing i'm asking this because you mentioned ayurveda so i'm sure you've got a different answer on this but cookie cutter like you should be eating this and you should be eating that when it might not be for them
0: That's a great question. And it's particularly pertinent to the group of people that I work with, which are women, which go through significant stages that are very different to one another through their, with their hormones, with their menstrual Mm -hmm. cycle, with menopause. Um, so yeah, I think cookie cutter approaches in a very general sense theoretically mm-hmm. will work for most people and and I very much believe in like the the, the core elements of a diet should be mm-hmm. protein no matter what right mm-hmm. human cells run on protein we rebuild cells with protein and mm-hmm. that's actually the piece that's missing from a lot of conventional diets which we're starting to see more of uh, with the ketogenic diet and carnivore diet people are starting to realize pr- uh, protein is that not only satiates them mm-hmm. um, but also is able to build the cells that they have in their body and be, mm-hmm. re- rebuild them better so I think there's some core elements of cookie cutter diets, which I would almost u- unanimously. Put across the board, and that core being protein. Mm-hmm. But the way that we build from there is um, going to be different. So whether mm-hmm. you're high fat, whether you need to be high protein and low fat, whether you some therapeutic situations, and that's also a difference between you know a healthy weight loss journey, which is really dealing with the psychology and relationship with food, mm-hmm. versus a therapeutic response, which is like a we need to seriously change things today, or we're staring down the, the barrel of death. some really problematic <laughs> death. 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 <laughs> <laughs> totally. Or, Or amputations or you know that kind of kind of stuff. So that stuff needs a different approach. But I think at the core, most people need to prioritize protein and then figure out how carbohydrates and fats play into their story. Because as you said, um, there's lots of plants that don't make people feel good. Um, Mm -hmm. even though and especially with gut issues, lots of Mm -hmm. plants cause gut issues. There's lectins, there's anti-nutrients. Um, Mm -hmm. and so the 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 other other side of that conversation is that it kind of, you know, in a world that's overweight sick and dying sooner than they should speaking about how scary plants are is a really you know counterintuitive way to go about helping people to get healthy so i would say first start with meat and vegetables and then figure out from there what doesn't work from you rather Mm -hmm. than be like well i'm just going to keep going to mcdonald's because apparently eggplant might inflame my gut
1: yeah (laughs) that's not the answer
0: (laughs) No, that's so it's just it's just about walking through it in a logical pattern of of events. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, one of the the best advice I heard is just stay away from shit that's processed. Yeah, Right? Because totally. what you do, just stay away from processed. It's not giving you any nutritional value. Stay away from processed crap. Whether you want to be vegan, because I mean, I'm vegan because it's healthy, and you just eat mock duck and
0: Linda McCartney
1: yeah. and corn, like, and <laughs> but that's just processed shit. It's not actually. You're not get it healthier
0: right oh totally and and that's the other thing too is that they say you know like people they like they have genetics for veganism Mm -hmm. um it doesn't it still doesn't mean just because they thrive on that doesn't mean that it is the best diet for them um Mm. and insert diet as well like you might do well on it but you could Mm -hmm. potentially do far better on a more wholesome diet or a more protein heavy diet or you know Mm -hmm. whatever the diet is
1: Mm-hmm. yeah because i mean for, so for me um, and what was so funny about the whole situation was so i just my mate duncan who, who works with us on the, on, on the podcast and then the team he's the one that told me first about this keto stuff I was, all right cool whatever i was like it didn't really work out for him too well he's like, he, he didn't really do too well on it and i tried it i was like i felt amazing i felt like highly energized i was going to the gym every day i was getting nice and mean feeling really good start working with this fitness coach. They're like, oh, that's that's a bad diet. It's evil. You need carbs. Uh, you should be eating carbs. This is how much carbs I eat every day. I was feeling sluggish, awful, put on 20 pounds. And it took me a year and a half, maybe more, two years, maybe a year and a half, two years, to, to shake it. And I shaped it by going back on the ketogenic <laughs> diet. <laughs> and then we checked my, the but the funny thing was, was they're like, oh, it's evil. And then we d- got my DNA checked with our ID, life or whoever these people are. And I'm actually, it says on there, (laughs) perfectly adapted for fats. (laughs) So so it's like my body knew what it needed and told me what it needed and I listened to it and then I listened to someone else. So I think, yeah, I mean, listening to your body feels like a really, a really important step, staying away from processed stuff, Mm -hmm. seeing what works. Um, Are there any other top tips for people? And We're going to talk about the emotional relationship in a sec, but for people looking at the practical side of it, are there any more tips uh, for, yeah. for, for the listeners.
0: Well, and just as you're saying, so I've got a little, little saying that's easier to run off, which yeah. is a bag, a box or a can stay mm. away from anything in a bag, of box or a can. And it's that mm. simple. And, and you bring up a really good point about the way that whoever you're working with reacted to the word ketogenic. Mm. So there's two, two ways to look at it. Right. Is that one, a diet should not be a deity. Like, mm-hmm. and unfortunately mm-hmm. in this modern world, people emotionally attached to this belief system of veganism or mm-hmm. carnivore and, and they live like by a set of values and a diet should not mean a set of values. Mm-hmm. You should go towards whatever makes your body feel amazing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and as long as it's not in a bag of box or a can and processed and full of crap, that's going to make the situation worse mm-hmm. then whatever that looks like for you that's okay. And as well, some people need to use one particular framework in order to get to a situation where a different framework will work. For instance, mm-hmm. a lot of people that I work with need to go through a high protein or a high fat diet before they can get to a place where their body will tolerate carbohydrates without putting back the weight the weight back on, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's journeys to go through and also... Yeah, just remembering that saying you're on a diet doesn't mean you're saying you've got a religious affiliation no. and you're you're against the world. I, and- I
1: worship I worship at the yeah. A lot of my vegan mates and G Mac, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, so we joke. She's like militantly vegan to yeah. the point of humor but we can laugh about it, but we're laughing yep. about it, but she's still kind of serious that she wants everyone to be vegan. Um, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I'm vegan, of course. I, I tell everyone I'm vegan all the time because that's what we do, we're vegan. Uh, but it's the same with some of these other diets as well. I'm carnivore. I've made an Instagram account and therefore you worship put this deity with me. Totally. Uh, no vegetables for me. Uh, give me the meat. But it's the same. Like <laughs> but All these elimination diets, I, I don't know. For me, I, I agree with you. This whole deity thing's a bit...
0: Well, the, there is an element there which is worth paying attention to, and that is not to be angry at the name of the diet or mm-hmm. the Instagrammer, but to be angry at big food because big food leverages those words and creates carnivore snacks or keto snacks that are absolutely terrible for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A vegan snacks. A lot of vegan food is terrible. You can you can thrive on Oreos on a vegan diet. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. Which is like horrific. Like yeah. you probably cut 10 years off your life if you do yeah. that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's not the diet to be angry at. It's the the marketing companies and advertising that are leveraging these terms and bending the rules to make you think you're doing a healthy thing. Even the word natural or, nat, you know, no preservatives or all these types of lines are being leveraged in strategic ways to give you the illusion that something is healthier than it is. Mm,
1: mm, mm, mm. And again, the context of all of this discussion still is happening within so all of this discussion is happening within the context of who and what we are mm-hmm. through our lens our identity could you speak a yeah. little bit about that and and how people can get lost in their identities and perhaps some of the ways that you support people in changing the identity and how that supports them in losing weight and such
0: yeah, absolutely. So I guess I start sort of from a psychological standpoint, which is just really understanding who you are and who, where your ego sits in, in all of it, basically, because um, the ego fundamentally is happy with being alive and mm-hmm. the situation that you're in, if you're overweight and you're eating foods that are unideal for yourself but you're alive you've got no financial stress you know there's there's Mm -hmm. not too there's not anything threatening your existence and it's in the privileged western world that we have um it's pretty hard to convince yourself well why do i need to change i'm not really under threat of anything crazy and and the, the consequences of this behavior are so far in the future that you you kind of think oh I'm pretty disconnected from that negative outcome. Although it obviously starts to creep in, but it Mm -hmm. creeps in so slowly that you adapt to it and it just becomes your new normal. Mm. And then your ego attaches to that, right? And it's like this is who I am. And that story that you might, that your ego might've helped you provide is like, I am a fat person or I am someone who can't do exercise or, you know, or that food doesn't make me feel good, or I can't eat healthy food. And you start installing all of these belief systems. Like Mm. I can't eat healthy food. I can't do exercise. I can't, I can't. Um, And you might've picked some of this stuff up from your parents too. So one thing that I deal a lot with is mothers, busy mothers that, um, you know, they prioritize themselves last. Um, And this sort of modern world has sort of pushed for, you know, equality and women to be as busy as men, as external to the home as men. And what that has done is meant that they um, still have that matriarchal, you know, maternal instinct, which is like, oh, I've got to do all of this plus be the mother to the children. So that means Mm -hmm. that they prioritize themselves last. And that means they get overweight, sick, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're running on stress, so their hormones are absolutely knackered. Mm. But what that actually does is that we're told, you know, mothers are told and, and parents are told that if you put the kids first, um, then that's good parenting. Mm. However, the the long-term investment which nobody is paying attention to is that you are handing your child a set of belief systems and conditioning their ego for when they become an adult and leave the home to be like, okay, how do I look after myself in the world as an adult? I'm going to look to my parental figures. How did they look after themselves? Oh, they didn't. And so that child will then go into the world. So this is where we come back to the self-care is not selfish idea because not only is it not selfish for yourself, but you're training your children and those younger people around you that self-care is important to the self, Mm. as well as everybody else, right? So, so we begin in that early phase of identifying the belief systems, what we've, what's the pattern we've been unconsciously living in and understanding what part of my personality has been automated to the point mm. that it's not even in my conscious awareness now.
1: Mm, 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 mm. When well, um, I was speaking to, I am on a I guest co-host this week. Well, he does it daily. I do it once a week. Uh, a yep. podcast called LOA Today Run Live. And um, he said that the other day, he just sat down and every time he went into doing something, he paused and he said, I'm consciously choosing to do this, whether it's sitting down to eat something. something like, and he just yeah. started to develop this more conscious relationship with who he is. And it, it kind of mirrored, I was saying to him, it mirrors this exercise I give clients, which is called the disruption technique. I think I've got it, some, one of the episodes on the podcast speak about this too, whereby you try it for an hour and then you try it for longer, where every single impulse before acting on it, you pause and you ask, is this something that I consciously choose to do? And it just develops a sense of of consciousness. Does conscious awareness play a big role in our ability to change our identity, or is it something that you can do without perhaps going down the rabbit hole of really going into consciousness and self-awareness?
0: Well, I think anyone that's ever studied a health degree of any kind has done... um, public health, a public health subject. And what you learn in that subject is that social determinants of health Mm -hmm. are the most powerful things. So the suburb that you live in, your Mm -hmm. postcode is more impactful than your genetic code because we um, are so driven because we're pack animals and we're so driven by the inputs of our social environment. And that includes our parents, our brothers and sisters, our friends. And so to answer that question, I would say coming from that way of thinking and what we know about the fact that social element is more powerful than the physical Decisions or the conscious decisions that you make, you probably could do that by simply moving, by simply moving to a suburb that's got loads of gyms and healthy people and everybody's wearing active wear and, you know, like they've got a different culture because mm-hmm. the, what we understand is that if you do that, you will assimilate naturally into fitting in into that group of people. Mm-hmm. So you you possibly could do that. However, you what you do risk is an identity crisis or um, an ego death that goes in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. which is that you move into this place and feel like an, an immense amount of imposter syndrome to the mm. point that you either self sabotage or you move right back,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or without the base, without the support of that community, you don't have a strong enough self by itself enforced identity to be able to maintain it. So you go on a holiday, yeah. for example, and you eat all of their cakes. You ah, <laughs> go home for Christmas and come back twenty pounds heavier, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think both elements are important, right? Mm-hmm. And and part of the part of the program I take people through, we talk about having the conversations with your social group because if you're, if you're going to stay in that social group, we need to orient that group's perspective in a different way because mm-hmm. the way that it's been so far has supported the old version of you. And, and mm-hmm. if we want to create a supportive environment for the new version, then we've got to investigate the relationships we have and find out how they can support if they want to support or if we're taking them off the Christmas card list altogether. Ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, the whole thing about environment, big, big, big thing for me, it's like the, the cornerstone to my mystical TED talk, which really does exist. Honestly. <laughs> because at the end I of believe the day, it. <laughs> I believe, so like, so our, our senses our are taking every single thing that's going on in the environment. It's being filtered through the reticular activating system in terms of what we're consciously aware of, but it's all there informing, disrupting or, or enforcing mm-hmm. the, the, the unconscious beliefs. Loops around, change the emotional state, which does this thing and does that thing. But the environment, like what do they say? When we're talking about money, like your network is your net worth, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be the, the sum of the five people that you spend the most time around, or the 10 people you spend the most time around. All of these things come together to show us that where we are physically will impact where we are mentally, emotionally, and therefore mm-hmm. in our reality, also, right?
0: Yep hundred percent there no and mm-hmm. and it's we're, we've been pack animals since the dawn of time, so yes. we're always going to assimilate to the people that we are surrounded by, and it's such a powerful quote that gets used time and time again, but it's just so accurate and, and, and unless human psychology goes un, under some massive evolutionary step you know in the next however many thousands of years, it's never mm-hmm. not going to be true.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to talk about um, the work that you do a little bit as we start to bring this home because uh, obviously give us some insights into who you are. Guys, he's a cool cat, right? Jump into the show notes. Go and subscribe to his podcast so you can hear more stuff about him and what he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's say, for example, someone's listening. They're like, oh, I love this, but I've got a willy. Do you You know?
0: Yeah, no, no, I, no, I help men and women. Um, it's yeah. just, you know. You focus uh, on the, uh, the, the humans. Yeah, well, and... So I focus on busy mums mainly because um, they're very willing. They're very mm. willing to be open to change, a different perspective, and for if I had a dollar for every client's husband who blatantly refused to do anything, has will happily have surgery once a year, will happily take twelve pills a day, but wow. refuses to eat healthy. Um, <laughs> like I would be way richer. <laughs> <laughs> like all the the monies, all the monies, monies. like, so I definitely help men, but I orient myself towards women because they They seem to, and they're ready to do the work. Yes. And the other thing is too. my, on my, on a broader mission, my Mm. mission is to create a healthier world for everybody to be somebody's healthy friend. And so the, the way that we do that is, um, most mothers are the care or food provider, not all, but most, um, in the home. And, in order to create a healthier world, the next generation needs to have the tools, which is mm-hmm. where we sort of went before, which is that the mum, how mom teaches her, treats herself, how dad treats himself is how the kids will grow up to treat themselves in the next generation of, of whatever the world will look like. And so mm-hmm. as part of my mission, talking to the person who runs the show for most of the time at home mm-hmm. um, or is it in charge of the food is, yeah, helping us educate the next generation, not through telling, but through watching mom embody and do.
1: Mm, love it love it love it so people that are ready to show up just so happens most of them tend not to have one of the winkies cool got <laughs> it. um so we're talking group we're talking one-on-one you know what, what what's what's the dynamic of this like what's some of the Take us behind
0: the scenes into the world of men. Yeah, sure. Down. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so for men and women, I do one-on-one. It's like a twelve-week program, and we there's there's two major elements, which is the nutrition. But mm-hmm. the first major element is the psychology, identity, mm-hmm. emotional eating, and and rewiring our habits, basically pulling them out of the subconscious automation, uh, rebuilding them and putting them back, essentially. And then we move Jeez. into the nutrition, which is going to look a little bit different for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And we do the same thing in a group format too. So it just depends whether you get benefit. From that pack mentality, and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people do hearing other people's struggles, other Mm -hmm. people's challenges, Um, and we follow the same education platform. um, And we jump on a Zoom call each week, um, talk about challenges, questions, uh, do little education sessions based on what people are needing to know, and support one another through the process. So yeah, so there's a twelve week one on one for men and women, and then for women there's a group option as well.
1: Awesome, awesome, awesome. So we're going to put is a memorable link or should we pop it in the show notes what's the best way
0: yeah we'll yeah we'll pop it in the show notes (laughs) it's nothing fancy go to the show notes click
1: on the link and get healthy (laughs) Man, man it's been awesome as always to hang out with you today any parting words for the listeners
0: um one tweak a week when it comes to your health one Mm -hmm. tweak a week that's the mantra of my program Mm um most conventional diets tell you to buy 400 kilos of kale on day one and do you know all sorts of things and you overwhelm yourself and then it only lasts yeah (laughs) totally and then you get overwhelmed and it doesn't last beyond two three four weeks right Mm -hmm. so health is a journey health is a lifestyle and um yeah one tweak a week awesome one tweak
1: a week you heard it here first guys um subscribe to the podcast i'm going to hypnotize you now oh your eyes are getting heavy <laughs> not if you're driving but your eyes are getting heavy sort of <laughs> subscribe to the podcast share this with someone who could learn something from this one tweak a week concepting from matty again head into the show notes click the link subscribe to Matty's podcast if you're game and you're ready to put the work in hit him up he's a really cool cat and you can learn from him um but you won't find him on instagram we didn't talk about that today but maybe that's for another time <laughs> um <laughs> Guys, remember, you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, healthy, purpose-driven life to keep dreaming with your eyes open and to do it in a healthy way. Take care. Bye for now and catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Do It With Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit
0: dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan.